Hey there, what's up everybody? Welcome to Evoke Greatness. This podcast was created for those of you who, like me, are driven by their curious nature and fascination with the champion mindset. If you have an insatiable hunger for growth and knowledge, or maybe you're just curious on how some of the most successful people have navigated their journey, we share the ups and the downs, the highs and the lows, and all the lessons learned along the way. It doesn't matter what chapter you are on in your story. Maybe you're just getting started, or heck, maybe you're halfway through. What I know is where intention goes, energy flows. It's my most sincere hope that you will hear something in one or maybe many of these episodes that resonates with you and reminds you that you are not in this alone. As we venture into year two, I hope that you find a sense of connection and community when you're here, because we all deserve a place where we belong. My name is Sunny, and I am so glad you're here. If you're new, there's a few things you want to know about me. I am a huge book nerd and a wee bit of a control enthusiast with an obsession for motivational coffee cups. I believe that a rising tide raises all ships, and I invite you along in this journey to evoke greatness. Welcome back to another episode of Evoke Greatness. I am so honored to have my guest today, who I have been a follower of on LinkedIn. My guest today is Nate Randall. Nate is the CEO of Gab Wireless and probably one of the most reflective leaders slash generous and genuine guys on LinkedIn. And so I was super excited to be able to schedule some time to have you come on. So welcome. Thank you, Sonny. It's so good to be here with you. Well, I, I love to start out every episode by finding out kind of the why behind who people are today, you know, their current version of themselves. And so you've been open and sharing your story along the way. But I wonder if you wouldn't talk about how things really started for you growing up in a probably non-traditional and rather emotional circumstances of being in a single parent household. Yeah, the, the reality of my life as a kid is I lost both of my biological parents by the time I was nine. My dad, to his choices, at five, he walked out, he left, and he could have paid child support and stayed connected, and he disappeared. So I don't have a relationship with him. He's not in my life. And then my mom passed away in a car accident when I was nine. And as a nine-year-old kid you're just not mature enough. Your thinking's not advanced enough to process, wait a minute, both of my parents are gone, but they were. And so I had to figure out how to adapt to this new life. And my mom had remarried shortly before she was in a car accident. And so I had this stepdad in my life that I, there was no gray area. I really had two paths. I was either going to follow his counsel and live a life that was meaningful with, with his support, or I was going to go the opposite way. And at a young age, I had to choose. So my life has been molded and guided by the loss of my biological parents and a stepdad who's now my only hero. And through all of those events, it's, it's really shaped who I am, how I think, and why I look to give back to others. 
Well, we were talking, obviously, before I hit the record button, and there is there's something about your story that makes it even more powerful because I think when you can personally resonate and you can personally feel something of someone else's story, I too was raised by a single mom who took care of me and my brother. And most times it was three jobs, you know, and and latchkey generation, right? We were just trusted to get home and and find your way in. It's not you didn't have that traditional or typical like mom's home or dad's home at five to make dinner. Fortunately, my brother is six and a half years older than me. And so he took that role of kind of the parent, good, bad, or indifferent, right? Uh, you do what you have to do. But she sacrificed so much for us and trying to provide the very best circumstances that she could for us. And uh, and so I think as people experience circumstances like that, you're right. You you come out with having two choices, right? You can take a really wrong path. And I think as you look at statistics, you know, there probably isn't any reason that maybe either of us should be doing what we're doing today, right? Statistics tell us that uh, we should have gotten into the trouble. We should have, you know, found our way down a wrong path. And I think ultimately comes to a choice. When you know right from wrong, you make an active decision as to whether you want to take a right path or a wrong path. And uh, and so I think that has probably shaped so much of who you are today and what you do. Obviously, for most people know that you're the CEO of Gab Wireless. And I think that too is such an important piece. Having an 11-year-old and a 14-year-old boys, um, you have four kids, you understand the realities of what our kids are exposed to. And I think Gab really works to minimize the risk or minimize the exposure. And so I would love for for those people who don't know what Gab Wireless is, what is it and, and really what's the mission behind it? I appreciate you asking. And I know this is a podcast where you're interviewing me. Can I ask you something about your mom yes. first? Yes. What's her greatest quality or the thing about her that is so stand out to you that you've implemented it in your life and who you are? <laughs> I'm not going to let you move past your mom that quick. Sorry. We'll get to Gab. But I want to, I'd love to hear that from you because I think your listeners and people who follow you for you would love to hear why you do what you do. Yeah. Uh, who? I just took over the podcast. So go ahead. <laughs> this is now the Nate Randall podcast. Yeah. Um, you know, as I think about, there are so many things, but um, her perseverance, she could have quit and given up. So many times when things got really hard and nobody was coming to save us. And she did what she had to do every single day. Unfortunately, a few minutes into Nate taking over the podcast and bringing me to tears by way of asking me about my mom, the internet went completely out. And so here's the conversation continued as we got through the technical difficulties. God, she was able to just, she was able to do really hard things without a second guess. And she knew that no one was coming to save us. She knew that if money ran out, if she didn't get to that third job, if uh, the car broke down, there was no one coming to save us. 
And so she knew she had to do it. There was no other choice. And I think when when a parent is faced with there isn't another choice, you trod through anything you have to, to make sure that your kids are taken care of, you know? And I think that is what I try to do. She did it out of necessity. I do it because that's the foundation. That's the, you know, the spirit of who I am is that mom who never gave up. And people ask me about decisions of, you know, doing something scared or, and it's like, yeah, you do it and you do it scared anyway. And you do it not ready, you know, because you just do it. And, and I get that is, is a sole reflection of my mom and the perseverance that she has absolutely instilled into the depth of my soul. And imagine now, and only she would understand this. Mm. Imagine how grateful and proud and thankful she is that she fought through all of it. And now she gets to see you shine. Right. Right. And those are some of the conversations I have with my dad now is to hear him say to one of my kids, I am so proud of you. He'll say it to, to each of my kids, whatever their talents are or whatever they're interested in. And he highlights it. And it's so rewarding for him to say back for me to say back to him, dad, they're here experiencing these things because of you. Right. And I know you want to give me credit as a parent and my amazing wife as a, as a partner and a parent, the reality is there's no them without you. If you don't dig in, if you don't do whatever it takes, if, if, if you quit, like, like you mentioned with your mom, I don't have a path and I, I guarantee I'm not where I'm at. Right. It's so rewarding for me to see my kids do amazing, uplifting things and be able to turn to my dad and say, thank you. Mm. Yeah, One being of my able kids, to communicate that, yeah. Yeah, all my kids are excelling because you taught me there were no excuses. Right. And that we, he'd say to this, and you brought up statistics, he would say this to me all the time, you can be a statistic or a standout. Mm. You decide. Statistics are easy. Anybody right. can bump into a statistic. You want to be a statistic, go ahead. Or you can stand out and not play the victim and own that both of your parents are gone and make the right choices and, and be better because of it. Don't allow it to be an excuse for why you're a certain way. Own it and have it drive you to be your absolute best self. Not, I, I certainly have plenty of room to improve, but the way he, he didn't let me make excuses. Mm -hmm. When I made a mistake, I was expected to own it. And there was more than one time where he took me to a friend's house or a girl's house, whatever the situation was, and said, you're going to apologize to your friend. You're going to apologize to her parents. You got her home late from the date when you told him, dad, wow. we're driving over. It's a five minute conversation. You're going to sit on their couch. You're going to look at her parents. You're going to tell them you're sorry. You were 15 minutes late getting their daughter home. You made them worry. Happened more than once. <laughs> And I learned my lesson of, I got to own my, I got to own what I do and I got to make right. it right when I'm wrong. So I, I really, pre I, I know you want to move to other things, but I really appreciate you sharing about your mom because I, yeah. 
I think it's why you have a podcast and I think it's why you you're doing what you're doing because she instilled that in you. Yeah. You're a hundred percent, right? hundred percent, right. And now moving on to Gab Wireless. Okay, let's go. <laughs> Super easy transition, right? <laughs> yeah. Let's go there. So yeah. I equate, I could just tell you what Gab is, but I, I think with a, a short story, it helps people relate to it a lot more. Absolutely. If you're a parent and you have a kid or kids, the swimming pool is always a, it's, carries a lot of anxiety for parents. We've got to get our kids in swim lessons. We've got to make sure they can swim. When we go to the public pool or our, our, our own pool, there's all these rules. You have to have your floaties. You have to have a life jacket. You can't be in the deep end without mommy or daddy. If you go out of sight, you have to look. There's all this panic of kids around water and a swimming pool. So what we do is fairly early. We get our kids in swim lessons. We, we teach them all the rules about water and how it's dangerous. And, and you know, somebody that has had a child that has, has had a problem with a swim. We, we put all these nuances and rules around it. And then with technology, we give our kids nine, 10, 11, 12, a smartphone that was built for adults. And we walk them to the edge of the tech swimming pool and we push them in the deep end and we turn around and walk away. And our kids eventually sink to the bottom. They're laying on the bottom of the tech swimming pool. And then when we find out that they're drowning, they're addicted to something, they're sexting somebody, they're whatever addicted to gaming, whatever it may be. And we either find out through somebody else or we, our kids come to us or whatever the means is that we figured out. We're shocked. How did this happen? I put parental controls on it. Yet we would never be shocked at the public swimming pool if our kid fell in and a lifeguard saved them and said, your kid was drowning. I, 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 can't, I can't believe I let that happen. But with technology, we don't treat it the same way. Yet it's as dangerous or more dangerous. So, so what Gab is, is it's safe technology for kids. Phones and watches with our own operating system, we take the adult operating system off and we put ours on. And what that allows us to do is no internet, no social media, no addictive games. So we, we set up the phone in a way where a kid can't sideload apps, can't add TikTok or Snapchat or, or, or anything else. And it's a safe communication device between them, their parents and friends without all the other chaos that gets kids in trouble. Right. Right. And, and you are, you do a lot in regards to people reaching out to you saying, Hey, I want to gift this to someone you, there are, there are a lot of circumstances in which people who wouldn't normally be able to get this service, get it. And, and you shared a story that I think is incredibly impactful and it's impactful because we both very personally understand what it is to be parented in a single, you know, in a single parent family. Will you share the story that you shared previous to? Yeah. So you're referencing LinkedIn and I have surprisingly found that I can help or be a part of helping a lot of people at scale individuals, but I can also 
do things fairly quickly that can impact a lot of people if, if I do it the right way. My, my mom, when she was single, I, I shared my dad didn't pay t- child support. So we didn't, we didn't have anything. Right. I remember her sitting at the kitchen table. I was six crying because she's trying to figure out, well, should I pay this or pay that? And the stress and anxiety she must have felt that at the time I had no clue, but I do remember thinking, my mom's crying. Why is my mom crying? So because I was that kid that had nothing for a stretch, and I'm now in a position that can help parents that are in similar situations to what my mom and I was in, it's a very personal and rewarding thing for me. There's a mom in Boston who is sharing a story with me about she has just two sons and she works um, two different jobs. And on the second job, she doesn't get home until after eight o'clock. So her nine and 11 year old boy, when they would go from school at two 30 ish, would be sitting in this apartment alone on, on the outskirts of Boston waiting for their mom to get home for six or seven hours. And she couldn't afford a landline, a home phone. And she couldn't even afford a a mobile phone to leave behind for them with how expensive those plans are. When we were able to give her a couple of devices and some free service for a year, to hear her share the stories back of the relief of the anxiety and stress of being at work in that second job and worrying whether or not her kids got through the front door safe and are they making the right choices and did they get something to eat? She carried that six or seven hour anxiety every day for weeks and months. And then to be able to gift her that device and simplify those stresses, she has shared over and over how much that's mean to her and how much more connected she feels to her boys. That's why Gab exists. Right. That's why I left doing other things to come here and be a part of this because yes, it's a for-profit company. Absolutely. But I absolutely also believe that you can do well in business and still do good for other people. They're not mutually exclusive. And I'm at a point in life where I want to be successful in business. I want to allow employees to have success within our business but I also want to do really good things for the common good of, of people. And you just recently hit your year mark as CEO of Gab. And I'm sure there have been some amazing things that have happened during that period of time. I think those of us who know you from LinkedIn, we kind of get that outside the house looking in view of the things that you share, which are, are tremendous. But I'm, I'm curious what has been the most impactful accomplishment you feel like you've made since being there in that year? I heard a story about a single mom. Her company had layoffs and they let her go over a text. They text her on a Sunday night and told her with no empathy, no reason to come into work tomorrow. We're having layoffs. You're done. She has a three-year-old little girl. And I heard about her situation through her brother and I knew that we needed to do something. I just didn't, I didn't know exactly what to do. So my first thought was I'm going to open up my network to the single mom and hopefully she can find a job through my connections. And as the, she was let go on a Sunday night, 
Monday morning, I heard about it. I, I made a post about hopefully somebody in my network can help. And by the afternoon, I couldn't get it off my mind. And it was weighing so heavily that I knew I had to do more. We didn't have a position open. We're like everybody else with this economy trying to figure out right. how to conserve and, and at least stay neutral or cut things back. And I tracked down her number and I called her. And when I heard her voice, I knew that she was starting at our company the next day. I didn't have a role perfectly defined. I hadn't really told anybody in the company. And I just told her, I can't, we as a company with how we care about parents and kids and especially single parents, I can't let you go to bed tonight worried that you're not going to be able to cover tomorrow. So you're starting with us tomorrow and we'll figure it out. Sonny, she has been, she's been with us three months. <clears throat> we lined up a thousand people to interview for the role we created for her. I would hire her over and over and over again. She's been one of the best hiring decisions I've ever been a part of. I'd never met her. I didn't interview her. No one else in the company interviewed her. And in a 15 minute conversation, not as a charity case, not as a, just simply the way she interacted on the phone. She didn't make excuses. She didn't act like a victim. She wasn't asking for a favor. She simply said, if you give me an opportunity, I'll show you my value. I'll come in and do whatever it takes to add value. And in three months here, she's been the very best part of my first year and whatever this role has been, because it's the perfect connection to what I want our brand and our experience to be. She's amazing. It's been such a positive thing to experience. I think that was actually how you first came across my feed was all of a sudden it was like everybody was sharing this. And, and I think that was actually the very first post that I was introduced to you. And there was so, there was so much attention to that. And I think since then, to your point, you have used your platform over and over and over time and time again in a way to create a vehicle for others' messages or a vehicle for, hey, this person is looking for a job, uh, this place has a job, you know, and really trying to make that connection for those who need it the most. And 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 so I think your so much of your qualities come out in that. And and oftentimes people can present themselves on that highlight reel of like, oh, hey, here's all the great things that I do. And in, in talking to you for two minutes, you can recognize the sincerity and the sense of genuineness about you. And I just think you, that's something you should be incredibly proud of. And I can't wait to see how much more all of that becomes by way of your impacting other people and them impacting other people as a result. Man, I, I appreciate you from a long way away. And you have encouraged me to do more around that area as well. That's very kind of you. If you, and you've shared about your, your mom, if you knew my dad, my second dad, my stepdad, my real dad, if you spent, if you spent just a few minutes with him, and then if you had the opportunity to meet my mom, 
and you combine those two together, I often tell myself, I don't, I don't know if I have a choice. Maybe. But with how much I respect both of them and everything they gave me and what they stand for and what I want to represent as their, their son, even though I'm a dad, I'm half dad, I'm, I'm old, I got a great, I got a great <laughs> beard, my back hurts, my shoulders messed up. I'm just so grateful that under all the, the circumstances that I was a part of as a kid, I ended up with two people in my life, although one of them way too short, that showed me the right way. I, I so hope that my mom left this life feeling like people cared about her and that what she did mattered. And I think about that all the time. And when people interact with me or with Gab or with anything I may be a part of, I want them to leave feeling like I matter. What I do matters. What I say matters. How I'm feeling matters. And it, sound, it, it, it may sound a bit cheesy, but I've had periods of my career where I've made money and options and, and it's nice but I'm happiest when I'm a part of helping somebody either find their full potential or help somebody that feels like they don't have a whole lot of hope left. I'm going to kick so. a similar question back to you that you asked me and you lost your mom way too early, right? There, that's not something you would have chose by any stretch of the imagination. But I think that may have allowed you to look back on those nine years with a lens that is so different than most people look at in their first nine years. And I wonder what do you feel like was the most powerful thing she instilled in you? She was a, a fighter, but in similar to your mom. With everything she was going through, I never doubted two things, that she was going to quit or whether or not she loved me. And those two things added up to be everything I needed so that when she left or was taken from me, I could look back on that and know my mom loved me and she did whatever it took to take care of us. So my similar, my situation is similar to you. Ages are a little bit different, but I'm the older brother and I have a baby sister. I call her a baby. She's two years younger. I also have a little brother that's um, six, almost seven years younger. But when my, when my mom got divorced and it was just myself and my, my baby sister, I had to learn really quick at five, six, seven years old that I was her protector. And when she needed something, I needed to be a part of helping her. And so I, I learned that I, I was ironing my own clothes, washing my own clothes at nine. So then I'd go get my sister's clothes and add hers in the mix. And if she had a dress that had wrinkles and I would iron her dress and I'm sure I failed over and over again, but those experiences locked into my core that it's not just about me and wherever I go and however I'm moving, I got to bring people along with me. 
my sister's now one of my dearest friends. She's so sweet and talented and successful and an amazing mom and beautiful kids and a great marriage. I just couldn't be more proud of her. And so I've seen that if you bring people along and celebrate their successes, what can come of it if you're a part of helping them to give hope? You mentioned failures. And I am a firm believer that our failures, you know, there's there's the the peaks and the valleys. And I think you don't ever get to a peak without a lot of time in the valley. And so I'm curious if you, there's something that stands out to you in your life, in your career, that was one of those things that maybe felt like a failure in the moment and was one of those hard but fabulous lessons on the other side of it. I love sports. I don't watch the cooking channel. I don't watch the history channel. Outside of my family, friends, I care about sports. It's the only, I don't watch TV. I don't watch sitcoms. I don't watch, I watch sports. So I wanted a career in sports and I did that. And at the pinnacle of that experience, I was at Nike. And I was so unhappy towards the end of it. And it had nothing to do with Nike. It had everything to do with me. And it was that I poured every part of my identity into saying that I worked at Nike. When I was at the barbecue, it was so fun to be the one when everybody was saying they were working here, working there. And then, well, I work at Nike. Oh, Nike. Wow. Do you know what? I, I just shot a commercial last week with Tiger Woods. Oh, that's. So it became this thing to have my identity tied to it. And the reality was I was a very average dad during that stretch because I was traveling so much that I missed dance recitals and T-ball games. And I justified it because I was at Nike and it was my career and I was doing it for my family. The reality was I was doing it for me. My family didn't care that I worked at Nike. I cared. So I had to go through this reality check that was pretty painful and ended up leaving. Again, not, not Nike's fault, my fault, because I, I couldn't put into balance the way to be a better dad and, and be in a place that I loved and worked so hard to get to. So I left Portland, Oregon, moved back to Utah and I'm a much better dad because of it, because I've been able to separate the two and give more to my family than my career. And I, I don't, I don't think any part of a career is ever balanced, but I know how to I know how to be fully engaged when I want to and when I need to, to maximize the moment. We've talked about a number of circumstances, right? The ebbs and the flows of life. And how has your faith, whatever faith looks like to you, how has your faith been an instrument in what you do each day? It's everything. I absolutely believe in heaven. I believe in a higher power. I believe in a God that's loving and caring. I believe in a savior that gave his life for me. And so I, I absolutely believe that I will see my mom again someday. My wife and I also lost our second child at full term birth. Her name's Kate. She would be almost 17 now. I don't know how people make it if they don't believe that there's something after this life. I just, I don't know how you make it day to day, but there are so many times where 
I'll process the thought of if I want to see my mom and, and daughter again someday, I need to live a certain way. I need to make choices that are uplifting, that are positive, that are, that are giving to the greater good than taking, taking, taking. So I, although I, I don't want to be too overly spiritual or religious here. I, it means everything to me. It's how I, when I make a mistake, it's how I, I know to repent or be better. And when things are going well, I know where it's coming from and it's not me. I know who to give credit to. What does a day in the life of Nate look like? You know, I think we, we all have our routines. Uh, we all have, you know, we all have some sort of like non-negotiables that we're just not willing to, to not do or, or to lay down on. And so you're CEO of a company. You're very busy with that. You're a husband, a father. You're very busy with that. You give back to your community. You're, you have a great presence on LinkedIn. And so what, is, what does that day-to-day look like? It's different every day. And that's why I love what I do because there's so many moving parts to it. If I were to summarize it, instead of going through hour by hour, the mornings are mine. Reflection, do my very best to get a workout in, make sure I get to see the kids. We don't always have breakfast together, but at least I see them in passing when they're headed to whatever they have. My non-negotiable is the nighttime. And I've made it a, tried to make it a really special thing with my kids where, where I tuck them in every night. Our oldest, our 20-year-old is now out of our house. But my 15-year-old and 11-year-old, I still tuck them in. My 15-year-old hates it. And it's not a pull up the sheets on my 15 year old. But the tuck in is I go in his room and I sit down on the edge of his bed and I, we talk about everything. What's going on with the girls? What's going on with your friends? What's going on with school? What's going on with hoops? And sometimes they're 20 second conversations because he's tired and doesn't want to deal with his dad. And other times they're 30 or 40 minute conversations. That's non-negotiable for me because I found that my kids want to talk at night. My 11-year-old, I do something with her called special tuck-ins, and she gets to pick. It's either telling her a story, I make up a story, it's telling her a story from when I was a kid, or it's her telling me a story about something she makes up. And the laughter coming from her room on either a story she'll make up that's so randomly funny or one that I'll make up that she thinks is so stupid is the very best part of my day. And when I hear my 11-year-old call me from her room, dad, special tuck in, and I'm headed up the stairs, it's the best part of the day. I love it. So my negotiables are me in the morning and my kids at night, and then date night at least once a week with my best friend. And that's not always the weekends because of things we have going on, but one night a week, we, we try to set aside for us time that is specifically about us and nothing else. I think that's so important. And especially routines with our kids is super important. And I think we've moved away societally from those breakfasts or dinners at the table. And, and so that's something that 
I love that we do in our family is we sit down at the table. We don't sit down in the living room in front of the TV. We sit down at the table. Is there robust, rich conversation every time? No, you know, but but it gives the opportunity for robust and rich conversations or the sharing of days. And and I do something similar. Uh, my boys are 11 and 14 and we do I tuck them in, say prayers. And what's funny is half the time they act like they don't want that. And then if I'm in my room and they're already in bed, it's like, Hey, hey, mom, mom, are you coming to say prayers? Yeah. And because it's that time, it's that little bit of time where the day is closing and, you know, they're tired and whatever those things that you want to connect on seem to happen at that period of time. And, and so valuable. Uh, and I love that. I love that. That's your routine. I appreciate that as a mom. Yeah. Tuck-ins are a big deal. If I miss a tuck-in, I major FOMO. Yeah. Yeah. I want to know, we all have a timeline and you know this all too well. We have a timeline that we don't know what that looks like, right? None of us have our expiration date. Uh, somebody being in, I'm a hospice nurse by trade. And so I, I get this, the core of my being, but we don't know what our timeline is. And I'm curious what you think is something that you want to ensure that you achieve or create or contribute before your time comes. I want people to know that I genuinely loved them and I cared about whatever they were going through, good, good or bad. That's it. I just want people to know I care. I'm at a point in life where I don't have everything, but I have enough. And I'm realizing more with with time as it passes if i'm going to give my time and i'm i'm going to take some form of action with that time i want it to make an impact i don't i don't want to just waste time and make it through days i i want it to add up to something and i want people to say not the car he drove or the money he made or the titles he had or the company he led, but the way he made me feel that that's how I remember people is how did they make me feel? And I can list off so many people in my life that have made me feel a certain way an uplifting positive. I wanted to be better because of my relationship with them. And that's, that's what I want to give back to people. Can I ask you the same? What about you? I think my my goal in life as I've gotten bold enough in in my years is to and I've gotten bold enough to share it out loud without it being kind of this secret little thing is I want to contribute to being some sort of positive motivation or inspiration for millions of women throughout the world. And it took me a long time to actually, you know, muster the courage up to say that out loud because that feels really really big. And some people, you know, may think, who the heck does, does she think she is, you know, to, and, and at this point in my life, I'm like, well, why, why not me? And so I, I think kind of stepping into the courage to achieve those crazy, big, sometimes secret things that you want to contribute to or achieve are, that's a gift to the world. How much of that do you think comes from your mom? Oh, everything throughout her career. She was that Norma Ray. 
when people would get in trouble at work. She worked in, mind you, she's 5'4". So she's a little itty bitty thing. 5'4", dark hair, crystal blue eyes. And people growing up, they would say, your, your mom looks like Wonder Woman. And uh, she worked in corrections. She, she retired from corrections after 25 years. So she worked with men in jail. Oh, wow. She's no joke. She's no joke. And, but I'll tell you what, it it used to terrify me for her to go to work. She worked nights Mm -hmm. and it would terrify me because I would hear of a riot in the jail or something going on. And then what I, over the years, people out on the street would call her out by name. I'm like, who's that? She's like, oh, somebody who was in in jail. And what I found was when a riot would break out in jail, which seems like a horrifying, like totally unrealistic thing for most of our lives, she was right in the middle of it. And what I came to realize was the inmates that were in jail, because she treated them like human beings who have made it, who may have made a lot of mistakes in life, but she still treated them, treated them as human beings. Um, when when a fight would break out, when attack would happen on an, another officer, she would be surrounded by people, and and those were inmates, and they were not going to let anything happen to her. And so, her, name? her name's Joe. I bet they called her Mama Joe. Is my guess, Mama Joe. Her, or her Am- last name's her last name's Espinosa. They called her Espy. Espy. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Yeah. Man, I bet she has stories. Oh, that would curl your hair. <laughs> yeah. But I, I see where you get it now. She, I'm sure in her job, she was realizing it doesn't matter the circumstances. I can still have an impact. That's right. Yeah. Regardless of where you are and how big or small it is, it's big to someone somehow. Yeah. And And so I think that the contribution or the desire to contribute definitely comes from there. Well, I can tell you, I have, I have four kids, three daughters and a son. And if we shelf my son for just a second, because I, I want him to be everything he can possibly be, but a dad and daughters, it's just different. And what I tell my daughters all the time is I want you to be bold and brave and believe you can do anything, anything. Not just something that someone tells you, you may be backed into a corner to do because of whatever they think, whatever their expectations are of you. You literally can do whatever you want to do. My 11-year-old is in sixth grade. We didn't have officers when I was in elementary school, but it's a thing now, at least here. And she ran a little campaign and she was selected to be the president of her elementary school. She came home and told me, and I said, I am so proud of you. That's awesome. You got selected by the teachers, the principal, and your classmates to be the president of the raccoons. That's amazing. Amazing. And she said, bold and brave, dad, bold and brave. I love it. That's exactly, she she could have so easily said, that's not my position or that's not for me. Right. So now I've gone to the elementary school with her and I walk in and the principal says to her, hi, President Randall. She says, hi. hi. <laughs> the office staff is like, hello, President Randall. She's like, hi, how are you? Have a great day. Like, whoa, Charlie, you're legitimately the president of this. It's like, yeah, I told you I got selected. <laughs> That's it's like, amazing. Matter of fact, 
she's not arrogant about it, but it's yeah. like, yeah, Dad, welcome to my world. This is my mm-hmm. office. I'm the president of this place and I got some stuff I got to get taken care of. So I, I share that my daughters need more women who believe that anything and everything is possible to look up to. And that's why you have my respect is I love that you have that, that goal, that drive and that ambition, because I think for so long, that wasn't a reality for many. And I want my daughters to do whatever they want to do that, that adds, adds to society, positive citizens, but please don't let anybody limit you go be brave and bold and do it. And I'm watching my daughters do it. And it's one of the greatest things as a dad to see. I would keep you on here for 11 more hours if I could, as we wrap this up, I would love to know where can people find you and connect with you? Like you, I'm not active too many other places than LinkedIn. So I'm on LinkedIn, uh, first name, Nate, last name, Randall, R-A-N-D-L-E. There's not too many D-L-E's. So I think if you search, you'll find me. I'm there trying to add as much value as I can and hopefully help a few people find jobs and help a couple of single parents feel a little bit of hope. And outside of that, I'm, I'm just doing my thing, trying to run a company, raise some kids, pay for a mortgage and keep moving. Well, you're doing a tremendous job. You, you too uh, have certainly earned my respect in all that you're doing. And that was really why I wanted to have you on the podcast in the first place. You are impacting people in ways that you may not even ever fully recognize. And so I respect that and I honor that. And I hope that you continue doing a whole lot more of that. I will do my very best. Please give Espy my love. That's somebody I want to meet. Mama Joe sounds like (laughs) the real deal. I want to, have you had her on the podcast? I have not. I have not. Oh, let's get me. Yeah, we should do that. Have a Mama Joe Espy podcast. Let's get that done. (laughs) Got to do it. Nate, thank you so much for being on today. Thanks, honey. Take care. Thank you so much for listening and for being here. I hope you'll stick around. If you liked this episode, please take a minute and rate and review the podcast or share it with someone who you know may need to hear this message. I love to hear from you all, and I want you to know that you can leave me a voicemail directly. If you go to my website, evokegreatness.com, and go to the Contact Me tab, you'll just hit that big old orange button and record your message. I love the feedback and comments that I've been getting, so please keep them coming. I'll leave you with the wise words of Dwayne Johnson. Success is not always about greatness. It's about consistency. Consistent hard work leads to success. Greatness will come.